Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our final episode on the Faith Series. Each time a listener reaches out with how these episodes have impacted them, I am stunned and fortified to continue helping messages land where they need to. And there is no doubt that our guest today has one that will land with many of you. Sunitra Morris is a leader in Arkansas, where she shares her gifts with the Fayetteville Public Schools as an assistant principal for Owl Creek School, as well as the director of women's ministry for the historic St. James Missionary Baptist Church in Northwest Arkansas. Sunitra is passionate about empowering women and supporting learners in each role she serves. In this episode, Sunitra shares her journey to faithful leadership, influenced heavily by her mother and the women in her life, as well as how she overcame a mountain in her professional journey through a focus in her personal life that serves as a strong message for all of us. Through her story, we learn how we too can continue to grow in our faith through trust, be intentional about influencing one another, and be open to becoming the version of ourselves we are meant to be. I literally listened to this episode a dozen times trying to figure out where I could cut it to make it the typical length, and each time I knew there was something in here that needed to be heard by listeners, by me. What an incredible message of faith this woman brings, I am deeply honored to know her and overflowing with joy to share with you Sunitra Morris's faith story. Welcome, Sunitra Morris, to the In Awe podcast. I am so excited for my guests to come to your story and learn a little bit more about you today. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and thank you for the invite. Yes, I specifically invited Sunitra and specifically begged her kind of last minute to be featured on the series on faith in this podcast. And the reason I did that is because Sunitra and I had the blessing of meeting one another this past March in Chicago, where I think there's never a mistake or there's never a, I don't want to put that a coincidence or whatever. We were seated next to one another at dinner where we were able to just kind of share one another's journey. And so I'm so excited for the listeners to hear more about you and then also to deepen our connection through this story today. Absolutely. So would you be willing to share, Sinitra, with the listeners just a little bit about your context so they can know who you are and what you're up to in the world? So I would love to just thinking about who I am and where I am right now in this journey of um, being a woman, an educator and a mom. And of course, of course, thinking about um, who I am in this journey. I am lucky enough to be an administrator in Fayetteville Public Schools. We're kind of nestled in northwest Arkansas in the Ozark Mountains, right at the foothills of the Ozark Mountains. We are just enjoying educating kids here at my school. And I say my school because I kind of inherently embrace where I am and what I do with my kindergartners through um, sixth graders. Um, And we have pre-K as well. So it's about a thousand kids that I happen to enjoy connecting and um, discovering new things with from day to day. I am an assistant principal here in Fayetteville Public Schools at Owl Creek School. Um, I enjoy my journey because I get to work nestled between my principal, Brandon Kraft, who is one of my great friends, as well as a leader here in Fayetteville Public Schools, and my newest friend, um, who was one of my teachers last year, Matt Pledger, who is now was an assistant principal this this past year. I should say he was a teacher the year before. And just kind of enjoying who I am and what I'm doing. I'm working somewhat with um, our co-op here in this area, doing some things with trying to stretch from our meeting, Sarah, when we met um, in Chicago and had that amazing opportunity to kind of feel the bond of leadership for women where I'm trying to influence that here in the state of Arkansas, primarily here in Northwest Arkansas, building some relationships with other women educators, with other women leaders uh, here in um, Northwest Arkansas. So we can just kind of be there for one another, show show some compassion, some caring, some love, some understanding, and just be a soft place to kind of just have someone to listen and to get advice from. 
I love that. <laughs> a soft place to listen to and, and gain advice. And when I think about the spirit that I encountered <laughs> in you, Sanitra, is just this very kind of calm, staid, steady, powerful. You've been tested in your life, um, kind of confident female leader. And I just am so thankful that you're in my circle of influence. And now that you have the opportunity to influence in your part of the world is really cool. So do you want to dive just a little bit into maybe your faith journey a little bit, maybe about how faith um, has informed your, your life path, maybe? Right. So I, I grew up in a very spiritual home. My mom, um, I, we started out as a what people would call, call a traditional family, my mom and my dad and myself and my my mother, I can only remember her always being very spiritual, very um, like just steady by her faith. And so I kind of enjoyed and benefited more so from watching her as I grew because one, she was an educator for 48 years. Two, she's been my mom for 49 years. <laughs> Then three, she's been like my soft place, my God, my rock. And so just kind of learning and watching her, you know, we we go to church, we went to church every Sunday, we went to church every Wednesday night, and we learned my mother's thing was all about, you know, believing and trusting who you were, who God was to you in your relationship with him. And, you know, it took a while because you have to think about. As a young person, you know, you're trying to have your friendships and not everybody's being raised the same way. And so my mom always taught me to be me no matter who's around, you know, to be me in whatever capacity. And that that took a while for me to steady myself as far as understanding how my walk with the Lord and my walk with life would be. And I'm not saying it's always been this steady, coherent very easily seen thing with the Lord. You know, like I've I've always wanted who I am to be known by the fruit I bear, not me having to wave a flag saying, hey, I'm faithful. I'm, I believe I'm a believer. So it's been this wonderful opportunity of me just reflecting on the way I was raised and then hitting some bumps and bruises in my life that kind of just taught me to go back and use what I was taught as I was being uh, reared to kind of get me through those ups and downs. And, and, you know, for some people, they may have not been huge things and for others, you know, but for me to be going through them, they were huge things. So I can reflect on uh, hearing myself or seeing myself being able to reflect on what I've learned through my parenting, through my mother's parenting because my father was not as as spiritually inclined, but my mom, my grandmother, all the women that girded me in my life all had this great relationship with the Lord and with one another that allowed me to see what it looks like to be in an authentic relationship with women. And it's something that I've always wanted with people outside of my family or outside my mom's friend group. And so I try to authentically replicate that in my older life, you know, I may have not done so well as a younger woman, but try to authentically replicate that desire to show people. So it's, it's given back to me in that same way, because my faith is really predicated on me being able to hear his voice, discerning what he's saying to me, discerning what he's giving to me. And it took me a long time until I hit a real huge mountain in my life. That scared me tremendously that I really discerned his voice. Well, I want to hear about that mountain if you're willing to share, but I just wanted to just thank you for this wonderful picture that you paint of your mother. And I was kind of reflecting about how beautiful it is that you can see that impact and share it with us. And also considering myself in that role as I was listening, just doing a little empathetic processing and wondering what my daughters would say about me. And then the idea that you talked about with that, you don't want to be waving the flag that I'm a believer. I just want to show it through the fruit I bear is just a very gentle and wise vision to cast this world. Right. Right. You 
you know, you always get these visions of people being that spooky spiritual, you know, where you're so adamant about being spiritual or religious or whatever you want to call it or showing your belief that you scare others off. Yeah. So I I don't want to be that person, but don't get me wrong. It took me a life, a half of a lifetime to have a great appreciation for what my mother modeled for me as I grew up. Because my first thing, you know, you got to think about this teenager. I had to be in, it didn't matter that I played basketball, volleyball, ran track, was class president, was student council secretary. It didn't matter that I was in five AP classes. No matter what you wanted to do in my mom's house, it was fine as long as you knew you were in church on Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday service, Sunday BTU, Baptist Training Union, and (laughs) service. So, you know, that was just kind of, that was hard for me as a teenager because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get to college so I don't have to do all of this. And my life came full circle back to that. I was trying to find a church in college. I was trying to find a church as a young adult. I kept circling back to the way I was trained to the way I was raised, to what had girded me or what I had been told would always gird me. So, you know, don't get me wrong. As a a high school junior, sophomore and senior, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want out of here. (laughs) As a 23-year-old graduating college, I'm going, oh my gosh, I need these things to kind of stabilize me in this world because my life was transitioning again And then, you know, trying to go into young adulthood. So don't get me wrong, you know, don't be too hard on yourself as a as a mom, because kids we see. I saw my mom in stages and my daughter now sees me in differently in stages. You know, just thinking about I have kids who are young adults, you know, and you guys are in the prime of raising your kids. So I'm super reflective. But at the same time, my relationship with my kids are changing and it's very different now as I get a chance as an empty nester to be reflective and to influence women. I'm lucky enough to be the director of women's ministry at my church. So I get to influence women outside of my profession, but also I get to be an influencer when it comes to um my church and my community. So I love that. And it's one of the things that struck me because, you know, in March when I shared, well, I left my position on the leap of faith and here I am sitting next to a leader of women's ministry. And I'm going, this is perfect. Thank you, God. I can't even, I can't even right now with your timing is just amazing. So do you want to share just a little bit about how you came around to that and some of the things that you do when you're working with women and influencing? I never knew I was so relationship driven. I always thought I was a loner. I'm super independent. I don't need anybody. I got me. You know, that was side of who I portrayed because strength to me used to portray, used to kind of block, kind of help me with my fear of being hurt or being demeaned or feeling less than. So, Hmm. you know, as I sit, as I had an opportunity to sit in church and just kind of, you know, see different things happening. I love to be the supporter of things. I love to do the grunt work. Leave me behind. I'm just going to be back here moving chairs, setting up a room, you know, and then the big event happens and I stay behind the curtains. That's always been my mode of operation. And so I kind of resisted for several years. It took about two years for them to even convince me that I had the capacity to be a the director, as they call it, of women's ministry. But I also envision women's ministry not being about someone leading it, but about some people sitting at a table with different views and needs being thrown on the table and then picking up out of that basket of views and needs and leading in different capacities to meet the needs of women. You know, my whole thing is about our ministry, meeting women where they are and giving them what they want. So... Um, and leaving with tools, no matter what. You know, every day I think about on a Monday, you know, on Sunday we sit in church or on a Saturday or Wednesday or whatever women's event and we're listening. But what do we walk away with that helps us work through Monday, through Tuesday, through Tuesday evening, 
you know, what can we reach back and grab or look at or hear that helps us be better women in that moment when we're not around a bunch of women of God who are trying to do better, but you're around everybody, no matter what they believe or don't believe. And how do you look authentic as a woman of God without being spooky spiritual and without being um, inauthentic? So those are kind of my ways of approaching it. I have a core team of about eight other women, and I literally am one voice on this core team. And these ladies throw out ideas or they talk to women in our um, in our church, as well as in Northwest Arkansas. They all work in different capacities and they're all different ages. So we we try and serve every woman in our church, millennials all the way to seniors. And they out of these eight other women that sit around the table, each age group is represented. And these ladies are members of other things that are a part of our church or our community. So we have some authentic voices coming back so that we can prepare things that support our women. And not only in, in St. James Missionary Baptist Church, but in every facet of our community, whether it be with poverty, whether it be with um, the woman's shelter, or it be uh, supporting a Habitat for Humanities bill for women. We try and make sure that there's no leaf unturned that needs to be turned in Northwest Arkansas where it regards women. So that for me is that gentle work because I have a great team of ladies who, who are just authentic and real. We laugh a lot. We mess up together and then, but it's never, she did it. It's like, hey, we were working on this, but we'll come back and look at it and we'll do it over. There's not a point of, I love to say this thing. I used to give my kids this point of grace and these ladies offer me a point of grace. So I never mess up so bad that they get mad at me and I never make decisions without them. So I love that they, they give me a soft place to, to, kind of walk in this role as leader, but not really. So I'm sure that many guests, as I feel right now, as I'm listening, going, I wish I lived in Northwest Arkansas, <laughs> where I could be with Sinitra every single day. I am so in oh. awe of the fact that you are, you've, you've built a capacity to lead as an assistant principal, which is no small order. Right. In a school and then also lead and use your gifts in that arena. And this is why I am so just completely thankful that I get to listen to you and that our listeners get to hear that you have the capacity to do those. You can use your gifts in multiple areas and we can be in public education and still lead in a faith community. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. what you're such a a shining light for that. Well, Sarah, I would say you're you're the other side of me, if I was as, didn't have as much fear, I could see myself walking in your capacity. I'm in awe of the fact that you have the strength, the wherewithal, and the belief, and the faith to do what you do, because you just kind of give me hope for like, hey, when I get to be a big girl, I can try what she's doing. (laughs) I love that, that you make it you show that you're vulnerable, but at the same time, you're walking in a role that requires faith, but you're also prepared for it. And you've got to see your preparation that there, in the years that you've been working, you've been preparing for this journey. And your journey is going to be softly made because we know the answer that our father has provided for us. You know, we go through things and we transition But the one thing we know that the God that we serve has always promised that he would bring us through if we believe. So the easy part for us is to believe. The easy part is to believe. Now, the hard part is to step out on that belief, on that faith, and know that no matter how shaky that step is, he has us. And I just admire the fact that you are willing to step out there and to believe that he has you. And it is what you're doing is powerful. It gives me an opportunity. You're the first podcaster that I truly try and make sure I listen to because you kind of take that fear. You know how when you feel that fear kind of well up in you and you can hear your heartbeat, you take that down for me. So I really enjoy listening Mm -hmm. to, you know, the different 
people you have speak and the different ways that you interpret the information that they share with you. So you you're you're amazing yourself. So don't short don't shortchange yourself, sis. Oh, believe me, after listening to that, I'll never have to again. And now it's archived forever. So I can just uh, take that, isolate it and just repeat. That'll be my morning affirmation from now on. It's Sinitra's powerful, passionate voice coming right at me. I love it. (laughs) Hey, I truly believe that. It was just something about his divine mission that we sit in in those two seats in that moment in time in life for both of us, because I'm stepping into around a table where I feel the least of all and you're step you're sitting there beside me to kind of pour into me when I'm feeling you know just like oh my gosh I shouldn't even be here look who's here look who's talking to me look you know look who I just met you know and I'm so excited but you were the loudest voice for me in the place where I felt the most isolated hmm. was impactful and empowering, and which is what I have tried to do since I started teaching pre-K, is to empower kids, to make them believe that you can learn anything. This is how you learn. You just did it. And you were sitting there in that moment when I felt the least to bring me in, to make sure I felt a part of, and felt engaged and wanted. You know, it's, it's something about relationship and you provide that for people. Well, at least for me. you didn't know me from a can of paint. I love to say that to kids. You didn't know me. <laughs> and you tr- you were in conversation with me and our conversation felt authentic. It felt reliable. It felt that I had a feeling that, hey, I like this based on you having an opportunity to just talk to me. And what you said to me was the things that I needed to hear in that moment. And you don't know me. And there had to be no one but but our God saying, hey, this is what you need and this is what you need. Let's have let these two ladies have a conversation. And even though we're different places in our lives. Oh, I love it. And you're so right because you were, you were just that for me too. And I, and one of the things that I just love, and I don't usually like to use trite terms like fangirling, but I've been finding myself (laughs) saying that more often because I just think that if we can be, we, if we can fangirl our friends and one another and just continue, continually show up in the places like that in a way that we're here for you, we're here for one another. We're just going to help each other beat back that ultimate imposter more and more. And it's something I've just embraced so heavy in the last couple of months that if I could, the more I can do that for others, the more I'll receive it back. And so I just, Sinitra, you're just, my heart is pounding. I'm so thankful (laughs) that you said those words and reminding me again too of of how special that connection really can be. You know, I just think about, you know, having this conversation about faith and starting to reflect on where I have most seen my faith just come to fruition. And just knowing, you know, when I feel that that those moments is so empowering because we I mean, me as a woman, I spend so much time in in fear of or thinking something through in so many different versions, if I do this, this could happen, or this could happen, or this could happen, that sometimes I just stop because I don't know which thing will happen. And you were that voice that kind of spoke me through, you're fine with this. You can sit at this table with women influencers, but you also can be a believer. You can be a person who is working with their relationship with the Lord and the relationship with women and the relationship with kids and the relationship with parents. Because the one thing that our relationship with the Lord teaches us is that it's something that we grow every day and we mature in as we study and pray and, and learn and practice. Because the, I, I just love the, our father because he, he gives us a guide. You know, you do this, this happens. You believe this, this happens. And he shows us in his, in, our, in his own terms, you know, he was, him speaking to me looks different than him speaking to you or us discerning mm. his voice. You know, he's what I hear is so much different, but I could just hear him speaking through you to me the things that I needed. And you didn't know that. And that was just 
so empowering. And I just always love that word because if we teach people or give people strength when they're weakest or when they're most fearful or they're most unsteady, you know, you just never know what your words mean to people. And I just thank you for being such a soft place and a kind person to allow me in a moment to have some time with you. Because there were what, 18 other women at the table, it felt like. (laughs) Yeah, we were packed tight in the tiny little space. Yes. And it was just so enjoyable. We were, you know, it's so funny. You think about us, we were sharing food. It was (laughs) one of the ladies was like, oh, this is, you've got to try this. And I'm like, eh. You know, you think about this girl right here. I'm a super germ phobe. You know, I just, I don't know if I do this. And she was like, hey, I know you don't want to eat. You know, it was just in that moment thinking about how people realize, you know, there was a hesitance for me to join in. But at the same time, she wasn't going to allow me and to like opt out. Nope, nope. You're gonna try this. You're going to have a moment with me right here. Then start that boxer group of women where we would just conversate, having a conversation. Do you realize, Sarah, that I, for about, and I don't think people really realize, for about a month and a half, I hadn't even listened to Boxer because testing season came up. I was doing things with, we had a, a, a book study that we were running at our church with um, women's Bible study on Wednesday night. And so I let life get so busy that I forgot to do something for me in life. So the boxer group for me, listening, kind of piques my thinking my and makes me look at things in varied ways because of so many voices in there. So I fell out for about a month and a half. And then you reach out to me as I like trying to find my way back in to taking care of me. So you just kind of, there you are again, pulling me back in when I try to slip out hmm. because my personality says that I'm, I'm a extrovert, but my lifestyle kind of implements, kind of shows me as a, as an introvert. I love home. I'm sitting in my house. There's no one here with me. And literally from a Friday evening to a Sunday morning, I could sit here and never come out. And it's easy for me to slip into those moments and just kind of disappear. But there you are again, pulling me back into a circle where I need to be so that I can pour into me and empower self in order to be a better mom, to be a better woman, to be a better leader in education, to be a better AP, to be a better just influencer throughout the day Hmm. as much as I can without being spooky or overpowering or intrusive. So I I just kind of thank you for that again, because, you know, you let our favorite excuse, you know, it's just that time of year I get so busy or I just need to rest and rest becomes isolation, which can be very unhealthy. So, you know, there you are again showing up. (laughs) Well, just like anything, right? We need that balance of of good amount of rest and then. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so I love that. I actually just read in my devotional this morning um, and I think it, I can't remember who it's credited to, but it's in a different devotional from the one that they credited. <laughs> but it talks about this idea of the only difference between rest and resist is I. Mm-hmm. I thought about that and how impactful that really can be when we consider it. it's uh, really important to take that time to rest and restore our spirits in this faith space, but not to resist what's coming next. And and I want to share with the listeners that when I reached out to you to say, please, please, please be on this series. And then you shared with me a really impactful message again, uh, housed in a perfect video about what you kind of already referenced with when we take a first step, you know, we have mm-hmm. to take the first step and what does he give us? Yeah. Then we get the instructions, but we, we can't do that. We can't know where the steps are unless we're resting. So I can see in your life, Sinitra, where it's a really fine balance because my goodness, you're pouring yourself out in so many different spaces that it can get exhausting too. You have to think about, I mean, I was raised in a small country town and you think about my mom was a teacher 
for all of those years, a leader in church. And we always, my mom always said, if someone didn't show up, she would say, Sunitra will do it, or I will do it. Sunitra will do it, or I will do it. So I was always in these spaces where I was filling in or making sure things were continually looking good or complete because I was always put in these capacities. So it's easy for me to come home and for women just thinking about or for for anyone to come and just find a place of quiet or solitude or where they don't have to work. You know, it's not because they resist the work, but it's just because they just need a moment to find that balance of self. You know, but then for me, finding that balance, sometimes it just takes me so far out of things that I don't realize how, how long I've been gone. So hmm. being reflective of the, about the risk to the resistance. And I think that was powerful when you said that for me, because I never viewed it as resistance. I, I viewed it as, as it, I never viewed it on a continuum toward resistance. But that's totally what it is. I'm resisting. I never have the power to say no. And I think that for me is something that I need to learn, you know, because I never want to let anyone down or I never want to not support. But I remember Oprah, this has to be 20 years ago, and she said that no is a complete sentence. You know, you don't have to explain, you don't have to, but I always feel like if you don't explain, then you don't have the relationship side or you don't have the compassion side or the empathy side. So I just resist saying no. And then that becomes me isolating myself as opposed to restoring myself. Mm. You know, knowing the difference between between isolation or resistance and restoration. So those, that's, for me, is something I walk away from this conversation, trying to find the balance between. Yeah, and I think I'm going to do that myself, too. Uh, I think there sounds like a good, uh, sounds like a good message for a Monday morning to be better, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just finding where conversations, and that's the wonderful thing about talking to you, for me, is that it's thought-provoking, but it's, it's soft. I really appreciate that, that, you know, that everyone has to find an accountability partner or a person who holds them accountable. But I think the way that you hold me accountable is through soft conversations and where we just have these authentic conversations and it just makes us think. It makes us think or it makes us strong. Or in some cases, it does both. In the thinking, we become stronger or we become more more resilient, you know, so I appreciate that. You know, just thinking about me talking through that moment for myself was just kind of a moment of self-healing or where I could take a breath and go, hey, okay, you this is what you're doing. And okay, this is how you can kind of balance this out without feeling, you know, as if you're being cruel or not being compassionate toward others. I love how you take so much meaning from conversations at what it's really what makes you an impactful person to talk to and to reflect with. And I'm certain it's what makes you so effective in every role that you do play. Yeah, I heard you, Sinitra, reference <laughs> resilience, and I realized, why well, I better get back to that mountain. Do you want to talk at all about that mountain that you came up to that brought you closer to faith after whatever it was you did to get around it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a lot, quite a few people don't know that I was a principal prior to being an assistant principal. So I was in a small district, my hometown, where I had gone back so, because I wanted to give back. I wanted to make a difference. And so I had been back in my hometown, originally coming back just to have my kids and move away with my husband. I went through a divorce. I learned, I reinvented myself. I was had a marketing, de- marketing degree. I went back to school, got a degree in education, you know, started off with an associate's, like adding to my degree and going through the non-traditional program. And then I had walked, done about eight years in the classroom. And my third grade, principal, my third grade teacher was my principal who hired me in the district. And he kept 
talking to me about, hey, you need to do more with what you do. You need to impact more students. And I never wanted to go into administration. I didn't want that responsibility. And he said, what you don't realize is that I can't replicate you, but parents keep asking for you. He said, you're the only teacher I have that parents keep asking for. You And he put me in capacities where I refused verbally to go back to be an administrator, get my administrator's license. But then he put me in capacities like he made me, quote unquote, the facilitator of new teachers. Never heard of this position before or since that day. And so we set up these systems of like starting to work with teacher leader, with teacher programs out of different universities because we were in. Arkansas Delta, it's really hard to to um, get teachers to come to that area because we are a small country town. We're isolated from the city. We're about an hour from any any major restaurant. So we had to build something, a, a, a program that attracted people there. And he put me in charge of that. And then new teacher, uh, new teachers in the building. So not only did we go and build the relationship outside to bring them in. But once they were in, we did things to support them, to make sure that they're, they didn't feel isolated in a classroom once they were there. And so I kept refusing, kept refusing. He was working on his doctorate. He was saying, hey, come read this paper for me. Edit this for me. Hey, what do you think about this trending topic in education? And all along, you know, after about two years of that, I was like, he was like, you're doing everything you need. Just enroll in the class. I enrolled in the class, got my leadership degree and my leadership certification, and then just kind of sparked that, oh, I guess I could, you know, build some capacity, do a little more, you know, affect education in a broader uh, systematic way. And so he, I did that, and then one of my former church members came back to our district to be superintendent. I grew up with this guy and he saw something in me and hired me as an assistant principal at a junior high. Well, while he was there, the principal of the kindergarten center left. He moved me over in October. And all the things that we talk about as leaders, before I knew the name of them, I, you know, I had teachers who collaborated with leadership meetings. I built a, a relationship with our Department of Human Services, our health department. I kind of girded my kids in kindergarten and I already had a relationship with parents. I knew who grandma was. I knew who auntie was. And I, I went to things in the community. To make it all a little shorter is we ended up being able to have the highest test scores in the poorest, one of the poorest districts in the whole state of the entire state of Arkansas. So where I am now, I beat every school in the state of Arkansas when it came to testing. Not I, we, it was my teachers, it was my nurse, it was my counselor, it was the community that we wrapped services around those those 300 kindergartners and those kids just flourished in what is the highest poverty area of Arkansas. And now I live in one of the most socioeconomically rich areas of Arkansas with the highest millages, with the highest tax bases. And we did that. But the district, my friend who was the superintendent was let go. The state took over because there's always been some type of type of angst or animosity in my hometown. And we went through a rift. A rift is a reduction in force. The last one in is the first one out. So my, me doing my work, me making sure kids were learning, making sure teachers, the culture and climate of my school was great. None of it mattered. I was put back in a class. I was fired. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a job. So because I had worked in the district eight years as a teacher, I had seniority over some people who had come in so I could take a fifth grade teaching position. Well, I had to. My daughter was a sophomore in college, a sophomore in high school, getting ready to go into her junior year. And she was she was in line to be the valedictorian of her class. I couldn't ask her to leave. So I literally was at a point in my life where I didn't have an income. I had a daughter who was coming up on her senior year 
who I had seen your pictures, seen your trip. I had all of these things. I had a son who was playing on every sport, every travel team, all of these things where I had been, I felt that I didn't know what had happened. You know, like I just woke up one day and my life was completely shattered. And I found myself just falling on my knees and just asking the Lord to just take care of me in this moment so I can take care of my kids. So I can make sure I make a a way for my kids because I'm a single parent. And so I was still in town. My my family is there. I take this fifth grade job, get my kid through high school. She graduates valedictorian. She gets a four-year full-ride scholarship. And I start to see all of these things that I just, you know, I had a bridge to get to an outcome. I asked him to get me through her senior year. He did. He made a way that I could still pay my bills. He made a way that I could keep a roof over our head. He made a way that I could pay for the things that she wanted as a senior because she had done everything I had ever asked her to as a young lady, as a Christian, as a student. She had done everything she was supposed to do. So that summer I was writing curriculum in my district and something said, Google Jobs for for administrators. I did. Fayetteville Public Schools was hiring assistant principals for every elementary. I sent my resume in, attached it, sent it in to Greg Monet, who is still the HR director to this day. He called me an hour later. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. I was sitting around a a table at our district office writing curriculum. I stepped out, took the phone call. He offered me an interview the next morning at eight o'clock. Mind you, my hometown and where I live now are five hours apart. Something never in my mind did I say no. Yes, I'll take that interview. I left there that day, went home, packed my bags, made a hotel reservation. I said, God, wherever this $60 is going to come from for this, for this hotel, you, I know you're going to make a way. Wherever this gas money is going to come from, I know you're going to make a way. Stepped out, drove five hours, spent the night, went to an interview. And this is how I know the father I serve was preparing something for me that I didn't have the vision to see. But all the time, he knew exactly where I was going. I interviewed. Not only did I get get one job, I was offered all four jobs by all four (laughs) principals. So I got an opportunity to choose the school that I would go to. And my daughter was going to be a freshman in college and her mom was going to double her salary. And my son was coming to a better school district where I knew he was not my daughter, but could benefit from. Not only was he going to, and he was going to be closer to his father. So not only did God move me from a situation that I thought meant me no good, but was simply preparing me for what I was destined to walk into. Because I learned so much down there and so much turmoil. My job here in Fayetteville is so, I'm so blessed that things are simple. That life is not full of trauma or just fear or wonder or or detriment. Every day, every day God has been good to me in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Every day I can say, thank you, Lord. For this because of the blessings that he has done for my children. The, the way that he's made for me has done nothing but give me the, the one prayer I've asked for that I'd be able to provide, take care of, and do what's right for kids. And it's all right here. It's all right here. My journey was a little rocky as though I, as far as me feeling and hurt and just broken. But I look back on it with so much joy because I may have some scars on my knees, but they healed. And I still can use my knees. I still can climb a mountain. I still can run. I still can smile. I can travel. I can do things. I can pay a bill. I can take care of things. And that's why I say, Lord, thank you. Because the valley wasn't too deep for you to help me climb out of. And I had to remember that God provides for those if you just Trust 
and believe. But the one thing I had done that a lot of people don't get is that you got to work. You got to work. There is not one story in the Bible where people didn't work. The scripture clearly says, trust and believe you have faith of a mustard seed. But you got to put some work into it. You got to get, I have to get up every day and go to work. I had to get up and go get that license to be an administrator. I had to go through those tra- those traumatic events to benefit, to reap the, the, the benefits of what's happening now. But oh, what God has provided for me in the fact of our relationship, the authenticity, authenticity of the work I did, and what I learned there that I can apply here in what is called, our district is primarily not a high poverty district, but the district I'm from was 100% poverty. So my kids that are quote unquote hard here aren't hard because I know how to address them. I know, and I'm continuing the work and learning every day how to perfect my craft, even though I know I'll never get to perfection, but I always strive to be better. I always strive to learn because I know God said, put the work in and I'll provide the blessing. Just ask, work, and you'll receive. I don't have to, no one else has to tell me that. My father showed me that. That was my mountain. And, and I'm not scared of any mountain now because to, to not know where your next meal is going to come from, to not know if you're going to be able to pay your electric bill, to not know if you're just going to be able to go to the grocery store is where I came from. But now those are not my worries. I'm blessed. My kids are blessed. I am so thankful. So every day for me is just, hmm, just a little bit softer, just a little, you know, I'm like, okay, I get, okay, this, this is good. Okay. You know, I'm grateful. There's a sense of gratitude that is built from my mountain. And every day I just can wake up and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I was a little long. I'm sorry. No, I love it. I don't ever want you to stop talking. I just love you so much. This is amazing. (laughs) It's so good. Oh my goodness. Uh, So just that concept again of that fate, that trust, and I'm just going to do it. I love how you said that something told me to Google jobs. And for anybody who's just out there, you know, listening, and you're just not sure how, like you said, God speaks to you differently than he speaks to me. And uh, that trust Mm -hmm. that it would have taken for you to, first of all, just say, yes, I will take this humble step into a classroom for the benefit of my child. All I'm asking you, God, is to help me pay that, pay the bills so that I can do that. It's just so humble. And it's something that I really believe in. And this idea of releasing the idol of a title so that God can use us the way we need to be used, not the way we want to be used. And the safety of a salary, the safety of a salary, because I think that that is one of the traumatic events that doesn't allow me to step into the role of faith that you have been able to go into because of the trauma of what I couldn't control. And, you know, all of us as leaders have that control factor, you know, where we are, okay, everybody come around the table. Let's all think this through. Oh, well, that, well, what about this? There's that control factor that, or that sense of control. But what I've realized is that All you can do is pray and work Hmm. and have faith. So those are the things, because if you pray, work and have faith, he'll lead you to do the things that are best for you. And your your journey is not going to be just one straight path. Like we always think that if I pray, (laughs) pray, work and have faith, he'll just take me to the end result. Well, life still is in there. Life is in there. The devil will try and get involved or, you know, you got to realize that your journey impacts your kids, your husband, your mother, the community. There are so many different things that get thrown in your journey. So it's never going to be a straight path. So we need to stop that. That's just that 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 mark of misunderstanding that you're going to just walk into something. Sometimes you do. But don't expect it. Know that you have to put in the work and that things are influenced one way or the other. But if you pray, God will make those influences 
beneficial influences as opposed to those influences that are detrimental to you being able to make it to, through that journey. You just got to have prayer. You got to pray and believe. God asking for it, believe it's going to happen and do the work. Yes. Stay close to that voice so that you can discern which one. Because I, I don't know about you and I know your work is so much more um, consistent with this, but anytime in a conversation with a a group of people and, or even just individually. And we say, how do you even know? How can you tell? And it's so different for everybody, but you stay close and you listen and you sit in the silence. You'll be able to discern it. It takes time. Right. And you, and and that's why it takes time and it's building. It took me 43 years before I knew he was talking to me about me for me. Because you always question, well, should I? Is that real? You know, should I do that? But his talking to me, there's not that biblical saint. um, I always tell my the ladies we talk about the King James Bible versus the um, NIV. So like I always tell them, I'm an NIV girl. You know, I needed to not be thouest, wasest, iseth, cometh. Because that doesn't translate for me. But the NIV version does. And I say, God has a SCM version. He comes to talk to Sinitra Morris in a voice that translates for me. You got to find your version that you hear him. You know, and that's what a lot of people don't. You know, they, they say when church, it's like this. Relationship. Relationship will help with discernment with the ability to hear. And that's where we have to spend time in relationship, building that relationship with our father so we can hear him when he talks to us. So that journey can be that straight path because we'll make the right decision every time because we know his voice. And that's just so important. And I'm not going to say every time, you know, I'm going, well, okay, you're talking to me. Sometimes, like getting in the way of me hearing him because I want to, you know, have that control or maybe I don't want that to happen to Tuesday. And he said, no, girl, you need to go because that's going to happen today. You know, when I'm like, no, no, that's not on my schedule. I don't have time. We're going to let that happen Tuesday. And he he specifically says, you know, you need to go now or you need to send a text to that group of women right now and say, hey, I appreciate you. And when he tells me those things, it takes two seconds to be obedient because with obedience, you get the clarity and you hear his voice clear and clear every time. Obedience breeds clarity. Mm, I love it. Okay, Sinitra. Well, it is a bummer to me that we are well past our timeline here for the NA podcast. So I am, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to ask you the standard questions because you've already answered them. Those of my listeners who have heard this, you're already through your life story and sharing so much authentic information, you know, answered those. So I don't even need to guide you in that. And I just, Sinitra, want to thank you not only for your life message, but Um, the fact that we got to meet and the fact that you're willing to just always point out how those interactions have mattered. And I know for a fact that this interview hit right where it needed to, to share the mission and your message. And I'm so thankful that you spent time with me this afternoon to give this awe-inspiring interview. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. you. Thank you so much. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community. 